Well, welcome back to the Grace and the Adventure of Leadership podcast. My name is Riley Spring and I'm here with Dave Taylor. And this podcast is brought to you by Sovereign Grace Churches Australia. And our hope is that this will help cultivate leadership, which is fueled and formed by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in your church and in your life and in your home. We've been talking this series about um, what it looks like to have the gospel at the center of a church. Uh, we've been looking at, we in the first couple of episodes, we looked at how the mission statement of our two churches is to have churches which are passionate about knowing, applying, and proclaiming the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've spoken so far about, just personally for Dave and I, what does it look like for us to personally and passionately know the gospel before we go and try and preach it and teach it and lead others just for us? And then secondly, what it looks like in our homes, um, in our with our wife, wife, one wife each, <laughs> wives and our kids. Uh, and and then we've um, met with Bob Koffler and we, we talked about, you know, knowing the gospel in song. We met with Jared Mellinger, knowing the gospel in our preaching. Now we come to the second part, applying the gospel, applying the gospel. And today we're going to look at what it looks like to take the truths of what is taught in the Bible and see it transform our lives. Uh, and to go from the head knowledge uh, to the heart to the hands. Mm. And uh, Dave, you were sharing in previous episodes that it wasn't your experience growing up. But can you just remind mm. us of, you know, what was your kind of experience of going from knowing to applying um, when you, you first came across Southern Grace Churches? Yeah, well, growing up, it, I think we probably had the knowing the gospel was becoming a Christian Applying the gospel, I think, strangely got missed out. And it went straight to proclaiming the gospel. Right. So we just went from one. No and tell. Yeah, it was far more of that. Mm. My experience of becoming a part of Sovereign Grace, as first interacting with Sovereign Grace, was just seeing people who took the gospel really seriously and really wanted to apply it to their lives. Mm. So whether that be parenting, marriage, friendships, you name it. It was very clearly being applied, and that was very attractive. Um, a bit daunting sometimes, yeah. as you saw people really growing in Christ. But then as you saw that process of sanctification that I didn't even know the word for, it also looked a bit daunting as to, oh man, confessing your sin? Whoa. Uh, but very attractive when I saw the fruit. Mm. And you mentioned that word sanctification. Uh, it's a big yeah. word mm. that ends in shun, if you know the Colin Buchanan yeah. song. Uh, what does sanctification mean? Uh, why don't you give us, you know, just off the top of your head, a definition? Unless you've got one written down. I do not have one okay. written down. Off the but top sa- of your head. Sanctification for me is, is simply Ephesians 4. It's the premise, it's the process mm. of putting off the old self, being renewed in the spirit of your minds, putting on the new self. You know, as, as the Lord himself calls us to be imitators of me, it's the process of actually becoming holy like God is holy. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's becoming sort of who we are, you know, in yeah. Christ. Acting the miracle, John Piper used yeah, to say. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we are, we are justified. So we're legally accounted righteous in God's sight. But God's not done with us. You know, we will be glorified. But one day we're perfect in God's sight. But... In the now and the not yet, mm-hmm. uh, God has begun this great renovation project in each one of our lives to sanctify us. That is to make us holy. That word, the, the Greek word relates to the word saint, um, to be holy. And so God's process in sanctification is making us more saint-like, making us holier yes. and holier bit by bit. 
Uh, and, and that's the great part of the great journey of the Christian life, isn't it? Is not just knowing truth, like the Pharisees knew it and not just doing things because uh, the Pharisees did things, but it was a knowing and a doing that came from somewhere different. It came from a changed yeah. heart. Yeah. Uh, and in, when we first explained in, in episode one of this season about applying the gospel, we talked about James 1 saying, you're blessed in your doing. Mm-hmm. But behind the doing is the key concept that how change actually takes place is exactly what you said in Ephesians 4, in the heart. The battleground for sanctification yes. is primarily lived out in our hearts. Do you want to explain how the heart relates to all of this? Yeah. I mean, again, this I, I didn't understand this until Sovereign Grace and I'm not saying it's it's Sovereign Grace has the monopoly on this but no. it's where I learnt yeah. um, the importance of oh see your heart is deceitful above all things mm. okay and there's still a battle going on for it in your heart and okay I, I think for me I was far more covered from the premise of behavioural perhaps fruit you know just oh doing bad things that need to stop mm rather than realizing out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks actions are formed everything comes so what we're actually battling in sanctification is our is our hearts there's a battle going on the spirit with the flesh yes you know why is it as paul tells i keep doing the things i don't want to do i don't do the things i should do i wretched man that i have there's a there's a battle going on in some ways i say you know you're a christian yes the battle's begun Mm. um which is encouraging but I think the whole understanding then that the battleground is actually our heart. You know, I think it's Paul Tripp in one of his uh, books where he just talks about our heart is, is really the, the deep-seated affections of our soul. It's where everything happens. Mm. It's the real you. So when, when people say, oh, I know Riley Spring, what do they mean? Do they mean they know a tall guy with glasses? <laughs> so what, what do they mean? They mean they know your heart and they mm. know the way you tick and what matters to you and for good or evil. For good or evil. Yeah, that's right. For better or worse. And I think that's so true. So if if we really want to change, you know, if you really want to change a fruit tree, for example, do you just unpick fruit or stick new fruit on or do you start to feed the roots? Yes. And I think understanding the, the premise of where the heart is, you're getting right to the root of what drives the actions, mm. what drives our speech, what drives our behaviors. What am I not believing about God? What am I not trusting about God? Mm. What is it that I want more than God? Yes. And which is that all that happens in the heart. Yes. And it's, and we're, we're given great help because in the new creation, in regeneration, we're given a new heart, but still the old, <laughs> the presence of the sin remains, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Yes, and and so we have this, we have this, you know, this tension in the Christian life, which is, you know, the gospel mm. teaches us that we are justified. We are saved from our sins. But then Peter, who loves to preach the gospel, says in 1 Peter 5, but as he who called you is holy, 1 Peter 1, 15 rather, he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Yes. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. sanctification is not an option. Um, if you love God, you want to become like him. And that's the motivation there. And so we have this, we have this tension that we are, justified but not yet fully sanctified but we want to be there Uh, so how do we grow how do we change and i think one of the things that's really helpful to to realize and recognize and i remember being taught this that the penalty of sin has been paid for that's Mm -hmm. the the good news of the gospel in justification 
the power of sin has been broken. That's regeneration, you know, new creation, new creatures in Christ being born again. But yet, in God's wisdom, and for some reason, he doesn't just perfect, make us perfect, the presence of sin remains. Yeah. And that's why we have this battle is the old man still lives within and yeah. those old desires which you know have been replaced or we're free from in a sense but they still lurk back up again and even sins that you thought you might have killed a long time ago somehow they the weeds grow back and mm. and so we're in this tension uh, and so if we want to grow and become like Christ we have to go after our hearts uh, we have to you know um, go you know, to the root source yeah. to change everything and it's a progressive process it doesn't happen in a day it takes time and time and time uh, and so why don't you read for for us ephesians chapter 4 mm. uh, where paul explains the and whole he re- chapter or? verses you know 22 <laughs> and 24 uh 20 and where paul explains and he does this again in colossians he has mm. a similar idea in romans you know six off the top of my head and various other places the process of how we actually change yeah <clears throat> i mean the interesting thing is even in verse 17 Where he says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. I mean, right there, it's clear that this ain't an optional thing. This isn't like a Christian luxury that we're like, oh, I might, I might not. It's a command. It's a command, but it's also an assumption that they're going to be tempted to do that. Because they're already Christians. Exactly. And he's saying, no, no, don't. You can't go back there. Please don't, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So then he gives us the process, the divine changing room, as I often call it. Yes. Um, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Mm. And then he really starts to lay out some very specifics on that about lying, about anger. Um, and always replaces it with something we're meant to put on um, instead. So put off, renew your mind, yeah. put on. It's a three-step sort of process. Yeah. The, and the divine changing room. And so yes. it, if we want to change, that's just that's the Bible's model. I remember when I first joined uh, Southern Grace Church Sydney and we, we did this exercise. It was um, a divine changing room night. I think you just preached on it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. and. Yeah. And you'd actually given out a list of a whole bunch of different sins that people might struggle with. Mm-hmm. And we were meant to read through it and choose one <laughs> to pick, put off. Pick your sin. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it was actually quite helpful because, yeah. but to be honest, I, I read through it. I was like, I don't really know. And But then as I was in this group and other men were sharing honestly and humbly, I think I struggle with this sin that I was convicted of a sin I didn't even know existed. Uh, I was convicted of the sin of fear of man. I just thought that was natural or just embarrassment. Shy. Shy or whatever. And I didn't realize just this idol that was in my heart that I didn't just want people to like me. I needed it. Uh, And, you know, through actually this process of thinking deeply about sanctification and and wanting to grow, it changed my life because I was actually able to see this isn't just personality. This right. is sin. And if it's right. sin, then the power of sin is broken. If it's sin, I can put it to death. Yes. If it's sin, I can change. If it's personality, then I'm stuck like this. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that was such good so news true. to me. And, and it's been yes. such a blessing to me. Um, it's and- so true. I mean, I think one of, the, one of the dangers of sin is it masquerades as no 
big deal. Mm. So you don't even see it. You're blind to it. But literally, we cannot see it. And, it, and it's also a reminder of why we so need others yes. in this story. I mean, you think Ephesians 4 is after Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. We've already established by now, chosen for the foundation of the earth, you know, born again, forgiven, redeemed, brought into a family in the context of local church. Now, how do we do that? Yep. And so ironically, this, this process of change is often as if it's a singular thing. But actually, it's in the context of plurality, and for the very reason, part of the very reason that you just pointed out, that it's often when we're in a group, mm. you start hearing it from other people's mouths, and you're like, "Oh man, this is ministering to me. Mm. Um, changes your life." Yeah, and all the all the commands are in the plural. In the English, they read "you," and we think, "Oh, me yeah. personally, individually," but actually, they're all to the church, and we're all meant to take them on, and yeah. um, and so that's uh, really important. Yes. Okay, and well, let's 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 talk about that for a moment. Mm-hmm. H- how do we apply the gospel in groups? So, the way to change is through this: put off, renew your mind, put on. Mm-hmm. Um, the battleground for sanctification is the heart. We got to remember that it's not just, you know, ripping off fruit. You know, just because oh, I feel bad about it today, and then stapling on some kindness or something. It's like actually, we want to get to the heart. So, how do small groups help us do that? We've already kind of mentioned it a little bit, mm-hmm. but. Um, how do you see it? Well, I think again when when I when I lived in America for a time, that's where I really saw this operating in a way that really affected me mm. because people were, well, just a lot more holy than I was to be quite frank. You know, their <laughs> lives were just yeah. like, man, you're, you're just a lot more holy than I. I mean, I remember being in a room, Riley, where where I had obviously made a joke, and the 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 punchline of the joke was at Emma's, my wife's expense, mm. which I thought was hilarious. And which probably been, would work here in Australia, great. my pull off. But it certainly, certainly would in the UK. But but suddenly I'm in a room with people who really, really, really love the Lord and are committed to honouring one another mm. and using their speech well. And I laughed at the end of my joke and there was tumbleweed <laughs> in the room. <laughs> it was like I was dying on the uh. inside. And then one very kind brother afterwards just said, "Hey, do you think, do you think that was honouring of your wife when wow. you did that?" It was a lesson. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it, it helped me to see godly people, mm. and there was no judgment. They weren't like tutting at me or anything, but it was clear this wasn't amusing. Mm. Um, I wanted to help me probably understand that, and and I did understand that, and it was quite a life changing. A life-changing moment. So I was affected by seeing people, but also seeing the fruit, which made the process attractive. Mm. And for me, in Sovereign Grace, our small groups, they are designed to do all the one another's of Scripture. We want to do that. We want to care for one another. We want to rejoice with one another. Mm. We want to weep with one another. We genuinely want to be the hands and feet of Jesus to each other, without doubt. But also, we want to help people grow. We want to want to want to help each other grow. And I think there's two sort of foundational pieces to that. One is my sin, sadly, is so deceitful that it will deceive me from even seeing it. That joke would be a classic example. Yeah. It says, "Oh, it's just who I am." No sense that maybe that's really unkind. Mm. So it totally deceives us into thinking it doesn't even exist. And secondarily, married to that is, 
I need others to help me see my sin and help me change and mm-hmm. to spur me on with that regard. So, so we've built a small group system where you're coming in with those two premises already operating. Mm-hmm. So we want to go through texts of the Bible, but we're not just going through them for head knowledge. We're going through them for applicational understanding. And so we build groups that are designed to help us grow, to help us look at, okay, so if this is what, you know, Brendan was preaching on on Sunday on speech, what difference does that make to our lives? And and where are we being affected by that in the Lord? How can we be spurring one another on? Wait, so in your groups, you don't just criticize the sermon? No, we don't. (laughs) That's what I used to do in my small groups. Not before Summer Grace. Oh, bro, in our small groups before Summer Grace, we didn't do that. We played cards and hung out. Seriously, they were just big socials. So a lot of life together, but not a lot of growth. Yeah, we enjoyed a ton of life. Right. And actually, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about now, sanctification, would have probably been seen as a bit legalistic. Right. It says, oh, mate, that's what Jesus died for. Why right. are we talking about this? Yeah. You're, you're saved. Yeah, just, just stop it. Just live. Yeah. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> that you works. don't need to do that anymore. And it really becomes a problem. Mm. Um, so we didn't understand the difference between legalism and sanctification. Right. As if they're the same thing. So we didn't want to do it. So, so for us in Sovereign Grace, we're really designing small groups that are going to help us really get involved in each other's lives. On a self-disclosed basis, yeah. it's us saying, hey guys, have you seen, you know, talk to me about what you've seen. You know, yeah. I'm not assuming that my speech is super perfect, but what do you think? I think that takes a lot of courage because my observation is if you ask somebody, do you think you're just like Jesus? They will say no, mm. but they won't be prepared to ask others, where do you think I'm not like Jesus? Mm. They don't want to do that. Or give specifics as to not really. in what ways, yeah. No, so it's like the, you said the Bible tells us to confess our sin to one another. And yet I think for many people, that's they don't practice that at all. Mm. There's no confession to anybody else. Yeah, it's Even not, though the Bible yeah. tells us to. They're confessing, I'm fallen. Oh, no, no, I'm yes, not Yes, general. I'm not perfect. But, I know I'm not perfect. But So what, what are you trying to grow in? Nothing. Yeah. Mm. So functionally, we're... we're we're atheistic in the way we think about sanctification. It's like there's nothing actually mm. functioning. Yeah, that's a good point. Rather than, oh, no, I, I know I'm not like Jesus. And some things I do see, some things I don't see. I think done well, that sometimes people can get concerned about it because like, man, it must be so heavy and depressing. And I found the, the, the antithesis. Yeah. Actually, you see yourself for who you are a bit better. You want to grow. And it makes the cross way bigger. Yes. You come away thinking, Jesus is amazing. Mm. Look at, he died for that. And Lord, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? Help me grow. And then what you do see in each other is people growing. Mm. And you're able to rejoice. You know, rejoice with the person. that Are you are you aware of where God is at work in your life? And 99% of the time, they're not. Yes. They don't see it. So it's so beautiful. So we design small groups to be places where we can really get into the weeds of our lives and really look at, okay, what are you trying to put off? And maybe we need to help each other be renewed in our minds. Mm. And then what are we trying to put on? I find that renewing of the mind piece is usually the question where it's like, okay, so so what are you doing? So you're struggling with, you're not having a quiet time. Why do you think you do that? Mm. What do you think it is? That's the renewing of the mind piece, I think. Yeah, or, or, yeah or say it's speech. It's like, well, what book are you reading to help you grow? Yeah, right. Rather right. than just like, 
oh, I don't want to speak unkindly to my kids, so I'm just going to try really hard for the next two weeks to not. And you're like, well, you're probably going to need to do something to unlearn yourself and change yeah, your heart. And so the renewing of your mind piece is really helpful. It's like the... I remember hearing an illustration years ago, and I found it very helpful. Like, if all you do is strim the weeds, they go down for a moment, but within a week, they're, they're back. Right, yeah. you got to spray those chuckies yep. or rip them out. And I think, you know, if you think of sanctification, particularly mortification, where it talks about more in uh, Colossians, mm. it's really talking about aggressively strangle your... You've got to pull that thing out. Yeah. And so it's a very aggressive mm. um, posture. And I think that's, that's, that's the point. You can't just strim those weeds. You've got to rip these things out. But if you don't plant something in their place... Just more weeds come back yes. in. Yes. So, you know, maybe you're addicted to Facebook, so you give it up. And what do you do? Well, now you just watch more TV. You're like, no, this hasn't helped anybody. It's what are you going to put in instead? Mm. What's the plan? Um, it's yeah. all part of the process. And I think it, these groups only work well, A, if you're humble and yeah. you're going, how can it help me to grow? How can I grow? And B, if you're courageous in the group as a group member to be intentionally intrusive. And yeah. to actually be that guy that says to you, do you think that joke honored your wife? Yeah. But if we all just go and just leave people to themselves, we actually do need to do what the Bible says and rebuke one another and exhort one another. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you know, you might have just gone, oh, they're just not very funny. They don't get my joke. But yeah. with the actual yeah. moment where someone's intrusive and says, I, I, I wonder if you're honoring your wife in that, then you can actually grow. And so our groups need humility, but they also need intrusivity. And, you know, there's going to be mistakes that are made when people are too intrusive yeah. or, you know, share too much and maybe they should oh, have bro, held so, back. It's so true. I mean, I've just been well served by people in my life that don't fear me. Hmm. Um, I remember another instance when I went to Pastors College <clears throat> and we lived with a couple called Tom and Renee, very dear couple. I think the world of them had a massive influence on our life. We'd been there about a week, maybe. And Tom said to me, hey, let's go and get some uh, Sundays for, for, the, for the wives. So I'm like, sweet, let's go get, let's do it. Um, all for ice cream. So I went over and uh, I bought two identical hot fudge Sundays, large. It was so exciting. So I bought these two things, and on the way back to the car, I tripped and dropped one of the Sundays ever, ever so slightly. So a little bit fell out, and I sort of scooped a little bit back in and thought, oh, that's not, not, not going to be too bad. Got in the car, we're driving off, and Tom said, oh, that's terrible, you've dropped your Sunday. I said, oh, no, it's actually Emma's. <laughs> and completely meant it. And he's like, and he just didn't say anything. And we pull into the house, and he said, uh, so... So they're two identical Sundays. What makes you think that one's Emma's? And I said, oh, no, I always carry Emma's stuff in my right hand, which is true, because at the time we used to have cups of teas with different sugars and stuff. Um, and he's like, well, have you thought about preferring her and giving her the left hand? Hmm. I mean, it's blindingly obvious yeah. that, it, that it's selfish and all that. But to me in that moment, it wasn't. Hmm. But imagine if he hadn't been willing to have that conversation on the premise of, oh, well, you know, I barely know this guy. Or, hmm. He had a profound effect on my life just by asking me a question. He wasn't telling me off. He's just saying, have you thought about hmm. giving her the other one? And God used that question. And I think about that proverb where it says, but you know, faithful the wounds of a friend rather yes, than the kisses yeah. of the enemy. I think sometimes culturally we're really tempted to just kiss each other on the cheek, even though we see things. Oh, Don't bring yeah. them up. Don't bring them up. Just love everybody. Keep the peace. Mm. But actually, we're failing to recognize that we are instruments in the Redeemer's hands. Mm. 
And part of that is being faithful to one another, to bring things up and ask questions and do it all in an attitude of great encouragement. That's wonderful. Let me read Hebrews 3 because I think it captures that reality and we'll round it out here. Hebrews 3, 12 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And, and that's why we do our groups the way we do them, because we're aware that we are all, if you're not going forward, you're drifting backwards. Uh, we have every temptation to start being hardened by sin. And so these groups, we try and design them so that we're always chipping away and trying to weaken and, and put to death sin and being in a context where people are around us to exhort us. And I know for myself, I want people around me to exhort me and I want people around my wife to exhort her. And mm -hmm. it's such a joy when you get into a group and people are like, I just want to grow. I want to become more like Jesus. Yeah. I want to love Jesus. Let's help each other do it. And then people are humble and people are asking humble questions. Oh, you know, why did you do that? Or have you ever thought about this? And yeah. Our groups are by no means always perfect yeah. and they take a yeah, long yeah. time for people to grow. But it's a joy when we're when we're seeking this because the goal yes. is that we get to be more like Christ, Amen. Um, whom we love. Amen. Fantastic. Well, thank you for listening uh, to this week's episode. If you're interested in hearing more about Sovereign Grace Churches Australia, you can find us online somewhere with a website. Uh, we also have uh, a new thing that we're launching, which is called the Sovereign Grace Churches Australia Pastors and Planters Academy. Uh, and this academy is designed to train the next generation of pastors and planters to build more faithful and fruitful churches across Australia. Uh, it's designed for someone to take one or two days off and study, be in a leadership cohort, be in a growth group, uh, have input from pastors who can train you and not just give you content, but actually help you in your life and your character. Uh, and in your marriage and in your family so that you can actually be prepared to be a pastor. And uh, so I encourage you, check that out if you're interested. Um, and if you have any more questions or you would like to contact us, then you can find us on the Sovereign Grace Church of Australia website. Thank you and see you next time. Let's do a sound check. Testing Riley. No, you are, you are contesting, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No problem. Uh, do you want to speak, please? I did. I'm speaking. Oh, okay. Here I am. All right. Let me try. Do you reckon I can do this thing when I actually probably say not. the right thing? You've probably forgotten it. It's too many things. Let me get you start. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Now. Da, da, da. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha.